Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Jimmy and I are going to be doing some traveling this October. Come see us if you are in Columbus, Ohio, October 6th through 9th. We are going to be at CXC. We are going to be at Baltimore Comic Con at the end of October the 28th through the 30th uh, for Baltimore Comic Con. And uh, October 22nd, Jimmy's going to be at the Jacksonville Public Library for a zine festival. He's going to be the man of the hour there, man, giving a talk, presentation. Uh, somewhere in in the middle of that festival and the way that we are able to continue bringing these videos to you is by You supporting our comics Jimmy has Hulk grand design out on stands now in two Beautiful issues can't miss them on the racks He's gonna have these books collected in the Hulk grand design paperback kind of like that uh, Marvel Treasury size format like the Hulk grand design and X-Men grand design books gonna come out around Christmas time man uh, you're gonna ha have plenty of time to get it before Christmas so put in your orders uh, with your comic store or online uh, as soon as possible and back in print is Street Angel Grand <laughs> Street Angel <laughs> Deadliest Girl Alive man uh, collecting all of Jimmy's uh, image Street Angel comics uh, back in print thanks to you guys uh, buying that first run out if you missed out on that if you got kayfabe affected no excuse grab the new one uh, Red Room Trigger Warnings is coming out in stores September 2022. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit, collecting all of the Red Room comics that came out this year. Grab this book, put in your pre-orders, and support it in the same way that you did Red Room, the Anti-Social Network. And if you haven't grabbed the first Red Room and the cover buries no leads, man, if this is your kind of gig, you got to make sure you get your hands on the paperback. Now that we're done paying the bills, let's take a look at a book that was inspired by a lot of cartoonist kayfabe comments when we uh, did that last round of Sandman uh, uh, issues to, to round out the Preludes and Nocturnes uh, trade paperback right before the Netflix show came out. People were like, you guys should look at Dust Covers, man. The, the Dave McKean book that collects all of his cover work for the series. Had no idea that this even existed. Uh, I think a lot of them were published because this hardcover, like I got a brand new copy off of Amazon for like eight bucks. Beautifully designed book. Yeah, just looking at a couple of pieces from this thing because I don't own it. I've only flipped through it very, very quickly, your copy. Yeah. It's phenomenal what his art looks like, how much he stands out. Like just flipping through a couple of these covers and I think how many people must contact him for concept art, poster design, you know, any of this stuff like Visionary is a word that I probably use more than I should. Dave McKean, visionary. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, the cool thing about this book is we have, like, NG, no game and commentary. We have DM, D Dave McKean, commentary, uh, discussing every single cover. We have the, the sort of date by year when these covers were constructed and the methods and materials used to make these covers, including dimensions and scale, uh, and you know, like little tidbits and factoids about the construction of, of each of these covers, but I've, I, it's a invaluable uh, book to to behold. Especially it's stunning to get that that level of information on these things too, because I can remember looking at these covers when they were coming out. I had no idea what I was looking at. Right? Like, how would you make this stuff? Acrylic, graphite, ink, wooden. 
sometimes you can see uh, i can remember like photographs of some of these things floating around the internet where oh, yeah. it's like they're three-dimensional they're they're just so much beyond what i think of as like me drawing a cover absolutely i mean this is yeah I, these are photographs you know these are like wooden cases that, sculptures that you, you can find you can find you know these these cover photos of these covers and they stand tall you know two three feet high yeah, you see like this one two feet by three feet that's incredible and sometimes you know he'd build this stuff and then he goes into the photo or the print and, mm -hmm. and and further works on it and one of the really interesting things not to get ahead is at some point digital becomes part of the yeah, tool system. yeah you'll see so you'll see mac we're uh, so lucky to have like the before and after digital in a run like this this is a good uh ex sort of scale uh example to show you what two what 26 inches by 36 inches is because we because we know what these are like we you've seen these chains you've seen these kinds of locks so you, it's let you know how kind of big you know this this artwork is and mr miracle yeah oh, so yeah. think about that as just a radical reinterpretation of a, of a character yeah oh man i love this kind of stuff yeah now we're getting it the the, the photos into the mix yeah it I say it with a lot of artists, but we're lucky to have Dave McKean work in comics. Yeah, absolutely. He took because he could be doing anything. He took the image from the first Sandman issue and then put this piece of like mus muslin yeah. rag over top of it to give you that translucency. And the reason I know that is because you have the commentary. Like Neil, Neil Gaiman thought that he paint repainted the thing. Nah, that's not the case. Wonder if they ever considered this as an artist edition. Can you imagine it'd be two feet by three feet minimum size? That'd be fucking sick, dude. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh man, that'd be like a five hundred dollar book. Love all of this stuff though, but it, it really blew my mind back in the day and to be able to kind of look at it now and see a little more insight into how they're made. There are phases too, like each book right. has its own different sets of cover treatments. So this is the doll's house era. Probably a good pairing with something like the Comics Journal interview with Dave McKean. Oh yeah. So striking, you know, this is this is an album cover. Absolutely. You know, it's like you put this on a rack of new comics and these things are, are just, nothing else looked like this I, at the time. I mean, that's no gaming, right? It's a good question. It, it looks like it. The Corinthian is no gaming. Also, what is, Dave McKean have access to like are we looking at a real animal skull that he's pulling out of his uh his, his drawer of art supplies the pins in the eye feels like references to art history like it's really cool little fragments of a clock face it's brilliant the pieces that he's like piecing together inks photography paper watch jeez now this this is Neil Gaiman that is a photo of Neil Gaiman with a little <laughs> bit of uh yeah, his eyes look different than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Xerography is what is That's fun. mentioned here. I wonder if some of that's those scraps of paper, you know, where like you're photograph photocopying those and then tearing them up and burning them and putting pigment on them. I mean, this looks like from a TV mm -hmm. screen and then you just blow that up a whole lot. Yeah, I think I remember him talking about the lace that he used on, on this cover. Oh, yeah. Which is really cool. If, if this is a photograph of, I don't know, a model, a mannequin, some kind of statue in there, and then you're supplementing it with like a real 3D elements around it. Yeah, like it's not called a spider toy. It's called a spider in terms of uh, the materials that went into wow. making this thing. 
And then this scares me whenever you start to see fire in the imagery. There are the ones <laughs> where he does burn stuff. Be, be safe out there making art. Yeah. <laughs> Should be warnings on some of this stuff. Do not try at home. That's the other thing, too, where, like, some, some of these covers, like, he's really just capturing a moment in time. Like, the cover did not look like that two seconds later. That's true, yeah. There'd be nothing left at least not the cover itself like there's not an original art it's like that image love seeing his lettering too is really cool this is the cool stuff too where these one and done issues would have kind of one and done covers mm. you know like very unique cover treatments that aren't part of a giant hole and you know i'm getting like all kind of graphic design magazines at my job and stuff in the early 2000s and the 90s in school this stuff would have stood up in any of those and oh, the yeah. annuals and things like yeah He's really contemporary in that sense, even ahead of the curve. I mean, is this early 90s? Like, this is really cutting-edge stuff at that time. He has his hand style, too. Like, you you know he lettered that. That's what I mean. It's a complete package, what he brings to the table. It's cool that he has some comics, too, that he's done the inside, so you can really see it all. Right. Photography collage. And then that makes you wonder, like, like how do you do that? Because it all looks smooth. Right. You know, no hard edges. Yeah, have we gotten to the Mac yet? Because this is another one where, like, I don't know how you're doing some of this. Yeah, still practical, man. Still practical. Like, it's it's around 94 where you start... You start what? The Mac... Okay, because I'm looking at this one. I don't know how you do this lettering. Right. In a practical way. Right. But this piece is Interesting that some of these aren't even um, comic book size. So, like, he must be, like, this is your original, and then you're cropping it for a comic book. Or there's piece. a masthead oh, yeah. piece... Which, when, when Vertigo gets established, right. there's like a template for a cover. Love this with all the texture. Like, this is another one. I wonder how he's getting some of this stuff. And usually with this, I usually find out it's more real effect than it is digital. Yeah. Like, I bet he's scraping on a print or something to get these all that decay. No Mac involved oh, with wow. this piece including the typography, unless that's just an oversight. That could be. Because how do you do that? Right. You ain't doing that with Letraset, man. This feels like a different piece, too, you know? Like, now we're shifting storylines or shifting materials. Yes, and this is copper, and this is the way it prints, but that's not the way it looks. And they make note of that in the piece where it's like, yeah, don't know why it's so bright. <laughs> like, it I promise it didn't look that way, like, on the original. That's interesting, too. I always like the idea that this stuff goes through some... Pro that there will be surprises. Yeah. You know, I often send things to the printer, and it's like, I hope that works. <laughs> and sometimes it's better. Sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. I absolutely love his line art. Absolutely. That's, you know, like, this kind of thing to me is like, okay, let's do cages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so this is a round of covers, where he's actually, you know, doing some, some line art pieces. This is a famous image, I feel like. Yeah. This image was used in a lot of promo material. Yeah, I think that's true. Oh, Sandman 50. So I think that this was like... Wraparound cover, maybe. Yeah, and there was like some sort of bells and whistles to it. Um, I think it's something they, they were preparing to for a long time. Yeah, I think there was possibly a metallic or a foil ink yeah. or something on there. Yeah. The game view stuff is is what started to make some, some retailers nervous because it, this would be high... like. To, on the top piece and then Sandman would be kind of squeezed in elsewhere. More of that collage. Color xerography. 
wonder how much of this stuff's in his studio. Like the like does he is he running Xerox machines as part of his setup that he can just turn around and go from the drawing board or the easel onto the Xerox machine. Yeah, shit. If he is, man, color xerography, you you know those things are like five times as much as the black and white machine. A lot of maintenance on that stuff too, if you're gonna run it out of your studio. Yeah. I know quite a few cartoonists that have had a uh, photocopier mm -hmm. in their studio at some point. Right. Yeah, I had real good laser printers when I was younger. I did too at work. Yeah. And I would do a lot of uh, laser prints from there as a result. So that's a good tool to have in your arsenal too. These are some of my favorites, man, where he, it's, it's, this is photography. So it's found materials, man. He's building these masks out of paper mache and things. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Because it looks like he must go in on top of the photo and do a little bit of painting, like the texture, you know, like there's paint texture on that. Yeah. And there's some double exposure kind of things. He's fading something in. You know, you're seeing through it. Super inventive. This is one that I feel like is pretty iconic. Yeah. I've seen this image quite a bit. Yeah, this is a favorite to show to people. And rightfully so. Like, in a way, this is everything, right? You even see, like, these these uh, shadow boxes that would be in the early issues. Yeah, with sand on them, dude. It's perfect. And it feels so dreamlike. Like, it's... That's the cool thing, where it's such a surreal image, but it's just a photograph. Yes. It's the right... To um, it's a tone. It's an atmosphere that he's able to capture and communicate. There. Absolutely. That's the thing, like, there's a very short list of these kind of books, like Sandman, that really have gone multiple generation around the world. And I always wonder, like, it's hard to take apart what makes it so successful. Yeah. And, and you know, like, you see these covers, and I mean, that's genius. That's just phenomenal. But imagine this on any comic. That'd be the coolest cover of the year. Absolutely. It's a piece of it, you know? It's a piece of what contributes. It's almost like they got all the pieces, so many of the pieces right. Yeah. Like the abstract wings, you mm -hmm. know, like just cardboard. Like this guy could paint the most. It's almost just negative space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is an interesting piece right here, man. This is uh, designed and built by um, two people. One of them is John Kuramoto, John K. You see his name in the credits for Dan Klaus and Chris Ware books as being kind of like their, their um, computer guru. And uh, at... In early 1990s San Diego Comic-Con, Kuramoto presented Neil Gaiman with this because he was such a fan, yeah. fan of the comic. At that same San Diego Comic-Con, Tori Amos gave Neil Gaiman like tapes that like she wasn't popping yet. She was still, you know, just underground or whatever. And he got both of those elements, both of those items uh, at the same San Diego Comic-Con. I love that. John Cormato because it's almost like you're you think of the comics that the audiences that overlap right. right where it's like this is just a dude that has a good eye for comics yeah and he recognizes like this is a great comic I also love that you get paint in a photo right by having the mask painted where you're seeing those paint strokes on the mask totally so much texture in all these covers too you know even this like wood piece that we have death resting on and a teddy bear like it's just dense with texture yeah in a time when digital coloring is really turning me off of comics, you think of what he's applying here, and it is almost like the antithesis, even though Mac is one of the ingredients or whatever. Yeah, yeah, cool patterns and stuff. Like, once again, this is just photography, so it's like the found objects. You know, he painted the paper mache masks. I look at this, and I think, this is what you can do. Yeah, and totally. And it's still, like, it's very there's inspiring. a million rules here that, that I've never broken, and it's like, you, he's doing this in the 90s. All right, Mac is becoming more of a piece 
I think this is a brilliant just illustrations straight up, you know, no, no qualifications. That's just wild. I do enjoy him playing with tight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just incredible graphic design, brief lives. Yeah. It's really cool. That's what I mean. Like this is the stuff I would see in those design annuals, you know, like he's, he's on top of his game. Gold leaf. I give credit to uh, Karen Berger and company, too, for recognizing, like, this is far-out stuff. Nobody else is publishing comics that look like this in the U.S. The more I'm reading, like, she's getting less and less credit. Oh, uh, no. Like, these, like he, he was all but fired uh, from, from the series, and if he wouldn't have, like, ran home and, like, done, like, three or four covers, like, really quick and still kept up his Arkham Asylum deadlines, like, he would not be the Sandman cover artist. Call back with our repeat of the eyeball mouth motif yeah man. that's fun too that it all fits together it's all part of a series some of this almost looks like basquiat with this color treatment i think everything's fair game it's kind of like photo distortion is yeah. that what we're seeing there is that a painting uh it says photography so not even photoshop yeah Bit of a show off. <laughs> <laughs> Color xerography and acrylic paint for these. Wow, look at how colorful that is. That's beautiful. Yeah, you could see the texture of just Roy G. Biv and then spreading it out. Forks. Putting it on metal, you know, like having the, the utensils in there to have metal as a texture you could bring in. One of the tools, cutlery. <laughs> this is photography. Maybe a piece of that was a negative. Yeah, it looked like it might have been blown up from, uh, yeah, like like maybe a 35 millimeter piece of film. I was sure that even possessing a modem, let alone a whole computer system, had a whiff of evil about it. <laughs> so I put off the fateful day until eventually I capitulated and signed in blood. Obviously, the Mac, a wonderful tool, approachable and powerful. Occasionally, I wish there was a button on the side of it that says... Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> because, I mean, this is 94, dude. Like, imagine if you, uh, you're, you're hitting paint bucket fill and uh, your, your shape ain't fully trapped. Go have lunch. Go have dinner. Go take a shower. Come back. And then hit, you know, Apple Z. I do it once in a while whenever I resize an image and I'll mess up and have, like, an extra zero. And it's like, oh. Or take an extra zero away, and it's like, no, I wanted 400 pixels, not four. <laughs> At least that's small and goes quick. If you mess up and do 40,000 instead of 400, re restart your machine. <laughs> Humbling, right? It really is. And it, it, it has, uh, like, I feel overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, you, you look at it, you could do an episode on one of these. Yes. And to go through like 75 of them, it is just like shocking in a way. It's a, it's a, it's a body of work, you know? It Se really is. 75 issues worth plus this is just his own personal photography like like his own personal stuff maybe experimental things that get you to this place or something but that's that's what we've been looking at on, on these sides it's just his his own works yeah it's really impressive to me to think of this as the cover art of one person yeah and and it's it's super fun that it's you know following such a big period of time like you know nearly 10 years uh and just imagine like how, how an artist evolves and it's building towards like Coraline. I love this. 
where yeah. like you know I'm, I'm assuming he's creating that that text maybe not maybe that's a something he actually has like a ribbon but you get the 3d sculpture element and you're still messing around with like type typography wood clay models silk photography and mac I don't even know what silk photography means. No, no, no. Silk ah, gotcha. comma, photography. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. The silk would be. I thought he's shooting on... He's exposing his film on some kind of weird media. Clay and thread figure. Wild. Photography. Think he's making that figure? It looks pretty crazy, right? Something he might have collected. But then the figure is just this. Yes. And then that yeah. is something else. Yeah, I mean, it all feels that way. Like, you start looking closer and closer, and it's almost like illusionary kind of stuff that you're seeing. You know, like something like this heart. I bet that's a manipulated shape. You know, I think there's maybe a hole there or something, and then it's like, oh, yeah, just drag this down a little bit. And it feels like, like, you know, so of an era, but I feel like he's the, the visual example of that like he, he created a motif that a lot of people sort of cribbed from yeah, for a I mean, period like, of time that last one i think was 93 this one's 93 that's early for this look yeah oh no i, I he created the look is what i'm saying yeah he absolutely created the look and then people but i associated with that time period and there are so many people who, do, who try to do their versions but i mean it's dave mckean wholeheartedly there are all these artists who come up and it feels like they start with Bill Sienkiewicz and then how far do they go? Yeah. And, uh, and McKean's talked about that in that Arkham Asylum that we reviewed. Like he mentions, he sees a lot of Sienkiewicz on those pages. So yeah. I'm not saying anything he hasn't said, but how far he goes, you know? I mean, like, I don't see any Sienkiewicz in no. this stuff except the idea that you can really push the medium. Yeah. You know, that you can bring in any visual tools from anything. And yeah, you can like bring liter them into comics. literally dead bugs. Right. <laughs> Not the first one we've seen in this book either. No. A crayon? Crayon color pencil, maybe? Yes, sir. That's great. And, and this is a musical stand. Jeez. They should do, uh, on the back of the book, they should have the list of materials so that you could compile <laughs> all of them where it's like crayon and silk and photography. Yeah, anytime there's like a new piece that comes in, like I try to call it out, like this is a, uh, a lay hand. You know what this is, I think, is like the For models. MBTs? No, no, no. I well, I was thinking it was like the wooden model. like oh, they, Because right. uh, you can get those dummies, like oh, right. artist models, in all kinds of sizes and articulation levels, and it feels like that's one of those. wonder if he looked at some of this stuff, and he's like, I don't remember what I used for this. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that. How beautiful. Cow lily. some ancient object there like an old artifact you know just in in the uk they just got better thrift shops like i guess like, so like when you see um like antiques road shows like those kind of shows on um like a british version they're bringing 600 year old yeah. swords and they've stuff. got some a couple extra years there to draw from yeah. love this ink line that's a pretty neat idea one continuous line i feel like very creative. You wonder just like, how do you channel this many, you know, how do you come up with different approaches to these covers month after month? Yeah. And then like, does it take you a month to, right. to make this kind of thing? Is this something you can make in a day? And if you're making three fucking, and by the way, those three covers that he made that weekend, 
one of them is extremely giant and very elaborate. Yeah. They're all, they all look very complicated, but you can't imagine somebody doing that one day is what I'm saying. Or one weekend. Well, that's the thing too. I wonder if you just hit creative blocks too in this process. You know, as a pro, you just can't. Like, I mean, you, yeah, I you, you, you gotta hit your marks. Something's gotta come out. You know, I'm sure he's not happy with 100% of everything. But, yeah, that's true. But it all looks 100% cool to me. Photography and Mac for this one. That doesn't even make sense, <laughs> right? Yeah. What are you photographing there? It's like a decomposing corpse. Dried plants, rusted metal, frame, clay mask, Mac. Pe peacock feathers? Doesn't say that. Huh. It looks like it, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah, these frames are really cool. Look at, like, the staples and stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Dead leaf. That's a really good example for the texture stuff that I that I often talk about with him. And there's something done to the photograph that creates that like contrast because we saw smooth photography where like mm -hmm. this is very harsh like he's using some filter or something to give you more defined edges. Yeah, it could be a unsharp mask. Yeah, That's something I do sometimes to get a really sharp edge, especially in photographs. It's good for that antique table. So, dude, that communicates how big this fucking piece is. Right, drawing. 50 by 80 inches the pixel count 2100 by 3000 and then a 4.5 inch transparency wherever that is that might have been this that that transparency might have been your uh like your palace like this could be coming in as like a, from a photograph or it could have been been the background you know like some of this yeah whatever that water effect is i don't know it's it's so hard for me to like like i said it's hard to reverse engineer these things yeah yeah There's so I mean, many pretty, elements pretty impossible and where the edges come together it's just like no idea rose stems <laughs> of course <laughs> you think they're scanned <sighs> don't know <laughs> i have no idea and that's a nasty this... stem by the way like i think of rose stems as you'd have like maybe one thorn here and one thorn here <laughs> that's what i'm saying is it is it is it blown up a whole lot like, is this what every rose stem looks like super close right. at a molecular level or what, under a microscope or something? Don't know. And these color bars, dude, from, like, print shit. Yeah, that's fun. And there's, like, several, you right. know, because they're printed over top of each other. I wonder if that comes out of his color Xerox machine. You know, you do, like, your sample color, like, clean the, the right ink jets and stuff. Right. They talked about like controversial covers where there would be a nipple or something and they would have to go over it and it would be a whole issue. We're the dumbest people on earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was, like in the context of this kind of presentation, like what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I know if you're smacking off to that, you're a sick fuck. And, and then, but then they were also joking that like now, like if your Vertigo book doesn't have nipples in it, <laughs> like it's just a regular DC book. That's hilarious. You get the call from the editor. Hey, we're gonna need a, uh, a topless shot in this. <laughs> right. This is running at just a just a PG rating. So humbling to look at. It so, is so insurmountable. Like, it's just such a different way of thinking that is <clears throat> fully alien. Yes. And it's such a sight to behold. Such a pleasure. Yeah, I think it's really important for the DNA of comics to have this kind of stuff come into it. Is this the studio? I think it might be, man. 
It makes sense. This makes this makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Even my studio feels inept compared to this. I know, right? <laughs> you just need to get some of those 1990s royalties, man. Then you have that studio. Yeah, man. No problem. That and a uh, 200 year old house and go to town. <laughs> so there it is, dude. A glimpse at uh, some of Dave McKean's, basically, his Sandman work. Beyond just the, the covers to the regular series, we're looking at proto pieces for the trade paperbacks. His own personal work was in there. Like, uh, some practice stuff that went into the future covers. Um, and important to keep in mind, like, this is one part of his body of work it is you know like obviously high profile and very successful but i mean like he's done graphic novels and comics and a million posters and designs outside of comics like it's just one little part of what he, his output 1989 to 1997 collected sandman covers and uh i think one of the things that you do see throughout the entire evolution really is the style that he brings to like the picture books and stuff that he does with no gaming Common, like the ultimate culmination, I guess, would be Coraline, mm -hmm. you know, like transcended the picture book to the film screen. And I often think like these writers, like an Alan Moore, I think benefits so much from a Steve Bissett on Swamp Thing or Dave Gibbons on Watchmen. And because of the way Sandman's built, like a lot of times it's Neil Gaiman, you yeah. know, like he's this standalone writer. But I do think you work with a guy like a Dave McKean and you're creative and observant and sensitive to begin with, Neil Gaiman I'm talking about, it has to it has to affect you from a creative standpoint to be working closely with somebody that is also sort of like just cosmic in right. the creativity. Um, you know, it's, it's iron sharpening iron. Yes. And even though they weren't doing the panel to panel and everything, I do feel like these are the two major collaborators in a lot of ways of, uh, of, of maybe of both of them. You know, if you've worked together for 10 years like this, you're going to get a lot of uh, os osmosis back and forth yeah. with uh, two very creative minds. Yeah, yeah. To me, a, there's a holy trinity of, of Sandman, Neil Gaiman, Dave McKean, Todd Klein. They are the connective tissue uh, between everything. And you see the three of them really trying to rise to the occasion and make something great yeah very humbling we need to bring karen berger on and talk talk shop with her because yeah, now man. i'm curious like to me that would be the fourth person right like she created a space where sandman can exist and uh no other comics like it on either side of it that's true you good to go yep okay favors like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available jimmy what's out there man hulk grand design the oversized treasury collection will be in stores in december you need to pre-order that now wherever you buy books it'll be the perfect christmas gift for you or the hulk fan in your life street angel deadly scroll live back in print from image comics the best comics i ever made again hit up your local comic shop or wherever you buy books for that and join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my comics process art and download some of my out of print comics and zines red room trigger warnings trade paperback hitting shelves in september 2022 murder on the dark web for fun and profit is the name of the game in red room comics banned in more than 28 countries banned in more than 10 comic shops so hit up the link tree in the description below this video you can order and pre-order those comics talk to your local comic shop uh they might be able to put in that order for you as well and if you go to my Patreon, three bucks will get you the archive there. You can uh, you can check out the entire archive of existing Red Room material for three dollars on the Patreon. And I am serializing new strips for Red Room uh, up there as we speak. Uh, new strips every Tuesday. 
What else do we have, Jim? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. It's another good way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, Jimmy, we'll be on our way. Make more comics.